welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about the great hunt for the bringer of chaos and what we did the entire book for 32 pages. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. And this week on Forever Canon, we're going to cover chapters 29 through 32 of Fate of the Jedi, book 9, Apocalypse by Troy Denning. Getting to the end. Getting right to the end. There's four chapters left after this. And by the end of this episode, I don't know what we're talking about next week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But before we get there, let's start with previously on Forever Canon. Bum, bum, bum. Previously on Forever Canon. Han saves Solos from grenades. Chumada in charge. Dala defamed for Drox. Jag loses election. Teenagers try to outsmart ancient beings. Heads clonk. Jedi Master Jaina Solo time jumps to a council meeting. And that is exactly where we start this week. Mm-hmm. So there's eight chapters left in the book. And I open up the book to see how our reading is this week. Normally our reading's about 40 pages over the four chapters, maybe 50. Open this one up, right? We talked about this early last week. 90 pages. Yeah. The first chapter, you know, there's eight chapters left in the book. We're finishing the book. The first one that we have to read is 30 pages long. And I'm thinking that's got to be a lot of action resolving, right? Because it's a lot of pages. Chapter 29 takes us to the Jedi Council meeting that Master Solo has finally arrived to. Humbly taking her seat as a good Jedi Master should, right? She should want power. It should be thrust upon those who are capable, but uh, unthirsty for it. Yes. Yeah, those searching for power shouldn't have it. Never. But the word at the Jedi Council meeting is that 300 Sith have spread from the temple across Coruscant, launching 3,000 attacks and killing over 3 million people. It's a lot of threes. Yeah. Um, the only one that did, that isn't a three is they, they've dropped at least 700 of the skyscrapers, sky towers right. is what they call them. Yeah. I wrote those numbers That's down. That's the lucky number. Man, 300 Sith can do a lot of damage. Apparently, (laughs) they've killed 3 million regular people. And what do we know about the big danger on Coruscant? She feeds off the pain and anguish. Yep. So they're out there making her stronger, and I don't even know if they know it. But there's also a mystery tattooed dark side user out there. Not from the Lost Tribe. He seems to just be observing all the goings-ons between the Jedi and the Lost Tribe, right? Yeah, he disarmed a Jedi and says, not right now, Jedi. We'll deal with Abloth first. Yes, now's not the time for us to quarrel like you foolish Lost Tribe and the the Jedi are doing. Don't you realize there's a bigger threat here? Abloth and I, one man... Am here to save the day or something, maybe? I don't know. He's just a, he's a, he's got tattoos. He's a dark side user. Who is this brand new person, Tim? I have no idea. But he shows up at the end of the last book. Yeah. He might have been sprinkled here and there throughout, but I think very sparingly, if at all. And that's fine to throw a new thing in here at the end of the series. We want to tell more stories. Yeah. And they throw a new thing in here now to catch my interest and make me wait for the next series to come out or whatever, right? Gather the audience attention. And based on everything that's going on, they need something unexpected and new to help them take down Avaloth. Which is something unexpected and new. Yeah. From the beginning of the series. Like this has been like a, like a Lovecraftian eldritch 
ancient horror story mm-hmm. more than a usual Jedi versus Sith battle. Yeah. <laughs> Which most of the stories boil down to. But this has been a very strange story, a very new kind of story. And here comes this brand new guy at the end of the book. <laughs> I don't know. No time to worry about him, though. We've got to evacuate the Justice Center before Abeloth knocks it over because she's shaking the holy piece out of it. And let's send an all-Jedi team to get Abeloth off of our balcony. Yeah. At the top of the Jedi Temple. <laughs> That's our like, house. It's just that easy. What? Didn't What? <laughs> yeah. Didn't you try to send like 14 Jedi after her into the heart of the temple? But now she's up on the balcony, exposed or something. It'll take less uh, Jedi to get the job done or something. And it's very. She just ignorant. took out three blast boats without anything, and they're like, get us some more, and, like, and we'll send Jedi. And dozens of space marines. We'll send Jedi because that'll make all the difference with the blast boats. Yeah, but she weakens every time that we kill one part of her, and then she always like runs and goes into hiding. Yeah. So let's hurry up. <laughs> we know that she's been hurt recently. Let's hurry up before she escapes, like in the Maw, and at Pyrrhur, and at Nam Koryos. She's been escaping the entire book series. Because they haven't understood how killing her works. Yeah. You know, they kill that version of Dion Stad in the Maw. Maw? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody coming out of Forever 21 is shocked. <laughs> <laughs> But they killed Dion Stad in the Maw, and they're like, got her. Good. Not knowing. She's got another body. That's her planet. What she actually did was escape with ship. Yeah. And then they kill her at Pyrrhur, and she walks back in the room and takes you all down to the basement to be tortured in a force net. And then you think you've gotten her at Nam Corio. She's with all those other people down in the basement doing whatever. And now nah, she just gets away, and she gets away. Sometimes she has to be a pile of goo while she recovers. But she always seems to get away. Yeah, and they're finally getting a scope of her power, like the the Jedi on a whole. Yeah. It's like, she can be, I one of them, Corrin Horn or Kip or whoever says, she could be one, two, five, who we knows know how many. Two. She could be, who knows how many places yeah. she could be. Which is what we talked about last and week. And then Wynn Dorman pops up, and he recounts Abeloth taking Pogorski and filling her full of tentacles and pumping the dark liquid under her skin and stuff, and taking her uh, persona and he recounts uh, how he killed her. Yep. <laughs> and he's like, I think that was a trap though. Cause then she just went right into the computer. I'm pretty sure she wanted me to kill her. Blah, 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 whatever. And you know, just to reiterate the fact that it's not going to be what you think it is. You're not going to kill her, whatever. Right. But this is pages and pages of a recap mm-hmm. of things that we read in this book. Yep. Hey, what happened to Pogorski? That was at the beginning of the book. Hey, when Dorvin killed Abeloth. Yep. That was at the beginning of the book. And that and what was the other thing that we were just talking about here before? Oh, she she gets weaker and she keeps running away. All right, that's more of a series recap all out loud. <laughs> but we're just talking about what happened at the beginning of the book here. Yeah, filling in the characters and... The- yeah, telling everyone else in the world yeah. what we, the reader, have seen through limited people. Because there's only been so many people that have encountered Abeloth. Mostly it was Luke and Ben, and they've been across the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Jane is back here now. Luke's here. The whole council's here. It's been days since everybody got their butt kicked trying to storm into the temple exhaust port. So now it's time to absolutely dead stop all the action, recap the entire book that we are reading right now up to this point, right before the ending. That kills all the momentum of this climax for me, man. Yeah. When If we go from 
Abeloth jumps down a hole in the bottom of the temple and continue from that action through to this conversation, then it's still interesting. But we're having a 30-page conversation when we just skipped a lot of action in a time jump. Yeah. And they're... They... The action being rescue and stuff, but and they, not yeah. for Han and Leia and Alana. God knows where they are and what they're up to. They were supposed to be down in the basement where Abeloth jumped. Yeah, they even jump over um, where how we were talking about two, maybe three episodes ago. So 12 chapters about how um, the Horn kids yeah. used to be her spies. Right. And, uh, and they were like, crazy. And then are they still crazy? And they're like, nah. <laughs> We felt a little bit crazy, I'm not going to lie, when we went to the computer core and Abeloth ignored us and took Ben or whatever. Yeah. Because guess what, Luke? Wink! It's all a trap. Yeah, he's special. And now Wouldn't you know talking it, about it? Isn't that something that we talked about in like maybe our very first episode or our first month? That super special sweet Skywalker <laughs> blood, right? Yep, every Why time. does she want Ben? Because... He is such a powerful force user. Mm-hmm. Jane has got the Skywalker blood too, but her dad is a muggle. <laughs> yep. Okay. So half sauce. Yeah. He's not, <laughs> she's not force enough. Ben Skywalker is full hot sauce with his special destiny written all over him. Kipter and says he's the son of two very powerful force users and the grandson of the chosen one. Mm-hmm. So it's all a trap to get Ben. Ah, ha 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 Skywalker blood. Tekli and Jobaka, what? Tekli and Lobaka <laughs> jump in with all the Killick info we learned in the middle third of this book. <laughs> like so, Jobaka. I know, Jobaka. It's like, it's like what, what like my aunt would call somebody from Star Wars. Like, I didn't know. <laughs> if we Who's have... that hairy guy? Uh, Joe. Joe Baca. <laughs> I've heard a Baca part in there somewhere, right? If we ever play that Star Wars RPG again... <laughs> If we ever play that again, you're playing the same Wookiee. You're not playing anybody different. That guy has gained and gathered too much physical harm to, for you to cast that character aside. The acid burns and the and the and the. I would the, have to the restraint uh, bruises. I would have to just. He's tried to escape some fame. Change his name to Joe Baca. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Anyways, back to the book that other people know about. Yeah. <laughs> Not just the Star Wars RPG that we've played in my living room. Oh, they jump in with all the Killick info, Joey and, and Techly. <laughs> and uh, recap everything that we learned in the middle third. P.S. All of their info is being uploaded to the Jedi archives. And they're like, that's good in case we ever need to. How? Read it deeper. <laughs> Ask me why. Why how? Why is that a question, Tim? Because it's the next thing I have written down. How is he supposed to do that? He can't. Nobody can get in there. Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah. But that's not the point how. Why is the question. You know Abeloth is the computer right now. Why are we <laughs> putting this information in the library that she has control over? Yeah. And how is she letting you do that? Whatever. Mm-hmm. Bit of a weird oversight. It doesn't actually matter. No, it doesn't. But it would be cool if that paid off in the, in the ending where like if we come to a final battle with Abeloth and she's like, I know everything you learned from the Killix and I will use it against you or something. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. But right now it's just like, <laughs> I, don't know, I guess we could just use the computers for a minute. <laughs> we can upload, but we can't download. Anyways. Anyways. Let's recap what we did learn from the Killicks because it was a mess. (laughs) 
Uh, there's a light daughter. There's a dark son. There's father balance. There's a missing mother and the servant who became the mother, which was Apollon, right? There's like these magic, the ones, mm-hmm. some sort of special force beings. The daughter is the embodiment of the light. The son is the embodiment of the dark. The father kept the balance. Where has the mother been all this time? It's not in the carvings. Nope. But then Abeloth comes in and gains their trust, drinks from the font of power, swims in the pool of knowledge, and corrupts everything, right? Yeah. Is essentially the story. And then she's kicked out of her family. Yeah, for breaking the rules. Yeah, she did the forbidden with a capital F, right? Abeloth was a servant of the ones which celestials become. What are celestials? Don't know. She became mother... She turned the family, capital F, I did a quotation mark, against each other. She touched the capital F, forbidden, capital F, font of capital P, power, forbidden, with a capital F in the text. Just saying. Yeah. And the pool of knowledge, and she paid a terrible price. She became this crazy monster thing that she is. Because she didn't used to be that, right? Mm-hmm. When you touch this stuff, you turn into Lord Talon, shriveling up and tentacling out and eyeballs turning into silver pinpoints, and you're transforming into some kind of monster. Yeah, because she was mortal before. Right, and that that was part of the story. She was a mortal in a family of immortals, and she was jealous of her aging and their immortality. And yeah. so she tried to take the power that they had. It's like a it's like a sort of twisted Garden of Eden sort of thing, like a lot of mythology stuff. Yeah. You flew too close to the sun, Joe Baca. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, she, t- she does the forbidden thing, and she is then cast out of the only place that she ever belonged or whatever. Yeah, and there's one thing that Jaina here some sort of tentacular freak. <laughs> she notices that as they're yeah. bringing up they're looking at these holograms of the carvings, Jaina's that's from the Force Vision that I saw. Yeah. That specific she had spot that dream of Ben and Vistara fighting in front of a big pyramid and she's like, "Oh, I recognize that pyramid." And when she recognizes it, she looks around the room and she sees everybody recognizes that yeah. pyramid. They all must have had the same dream. Yeah, it was a group hallucination. But nobody pipes up in this 30-page Jedi Council meeting and says anything about, does anybody else recognize that pyramid? <laughs> no, we get inside Jaina voice, and that's yeah, it. that's all. But she, Abeloth does all these things. She has become the bringer of chaos. Why is Ben the trap? What does she want? Well, Luke tells us about that one time Anakin and Obi-Wan met the Ones in an episode of the Clone Wars cartoon from January 2011, a year before this book came out in March 2012. Question. Did the ones always exist as part of this story? Or was that very popular, I think, three-episode arc of the Clone Wars shoehorned into here to explain what Abeloth is? to give some sort of connection to the television universe that they were doing at the same time. Right. Yeah. Because I know you haven't seen the episodes and neither have I, but Luke tells us what happens here, but it's a story that happened on TV a year before this book came out. Mm -hmm. Now, what is the publishing and writing cycle? And when was he done writing it compared to when it goes into print and then finally gets pushed out on the shelves? Right. It was released March, 2012, but how much of this was a purposeful tie in? Yeah. And is that a bit of an explanation for why so much of what seems to be happening at the end in this last book doesn't seem connected to like other 
books. Everything seems connected to Troy Denning's books, mm-hmm. right? Like he had the clear vision of what Abeloth was and what he wanted to do with her. Mm-hmm. Like that was maybe his thing or his chore in the story wheel. You know? Yeah, in the group uh, meeting the or whatever. Author- yeah. yeah, the three authors. But so much of what's happening between, like we went on the space journey to learn a bunch of stuff, right? Have we lo- used any of that again yet? No. Nah. No. Not like Luke one time did that thing where he pulled that th- did. force energy, Avalos energy out of someone. He's done that twice, once after he learned it. So yeah. Twice total. What? Where's all of that un, like inaccessible to the rest of the galaxy special information that he's learned? Yeah. When are we going to use any of that? We have Seven chapters left after this 30-page talk meeting. Mm-hmm. Recap talk meeting. Yeah. I was furious by the time I ended this chapter. <laughs> I, was, I was so mad. Anyways. I was reading it for so long. I was, have I missed a chapter? <laughs> and then they throw this thing in here with the, the ch- Anakin and Obi-Wan went to the ones once. And let me let me tell you the story all about it. Yep. But like, is that why everything came disconnected? Because they were like, you know what we should do? We should make her this thing that everybody loved that was like this cool existential magic sort of unknowable th- uh, mysticism part of star Wars. And like, we're doing a similar thing over here, but with scary stuff, maybe we should tie her into that cool thing. <laughs> maybe he's middle of writing. He happens to watch that episode. Oh, this would be a good place to put this in. Yeah. Because remember <laughs> we even said like, okay, we've talked about celestials mm-hmm. here and there throughout the series. We've never said the ones until we went to the Killix. Yep. Which can be fine because they are like the most ancient bugs that helped build all the ancient things. So they might be the only ones who really know. Yeah. Until Luke Skywalker's like, oh, Yoda told me <laughs> one time my dad and his best friend went <laughs> six years ago. The ones. Right. And he, they talk about it. it. It sounds like just a story. That well, kinda... he gives us a synopsis of the story that Yoda told him. So we get a story of a story. Within a story. In Yoda's story, Obi-Wan and Anakin Skywalker encountered the father when he was dying. The son and the daughter were at odds because the son wanted to take the father's place. The father told Anakin that he had been chosen to assume the father's place and keep the balance between the two siblings. When Anakin refused, matters came to a head. The ones fought. All three were slain. And their world died with them. Their world of Mortis or Mortis. I don't know how it's pronounced. Yeah. Classic good guy Jedis, right? <laughs> you show up somewhere to help somebody. And the guy's like, I need you to do something. You don't like it. So you kill them all. <laughs> and it, this depends on where Anakin is in his story. Whether like, I know he loved Padme for forever. So, but is, one, did he refuse? Because he would have had to stay there. Well, the question is, or uh, not the question. I mean, the timeline is is clear. It happens between episode two and three. It's the Clone Wars cartoon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it can only duh. exist right in that space. No, I, not not duh, because we don't pay. We don't watch that. Cartoon. I, I didn't watch the cartoon. But yeah, all of that happens in between those two movies. So he's he's already married. Yeah, and so be it. But God tells you. <laughs> I need you to be the new God or things are going to be bad. And you're like, I got a girlfriend though. 
<laughs> I've been in love with her since I was eight. Yeah, sorry, I can't. And she was a grown-up, a queen. <laughs> We've already crossed so many lines. We can't, we can't go back and uncross them, right? Uh, I don't know. We killed them all, though. Great success. So, the ones are dead. Yes. Which must be part of the reason why Abeloth is able to be freed. Because the brother and sister, ones, are the architects who build her prison and lock her away every time. So they're not here now. The prison starts falling apart. Yeah. And if we think about the timeline, go back in between episode two and three, that's like 50 years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe 55. But... The galaxy has been without balance. Capital B. (laughs) The father, right? And without a representative of the light and without a representative of the dark for like 50 plus years. All of these apparently very important mystical figures that police the timeline, right? Because Jason changed the timeline. And that's also what released the chaos to put the timeline yeah. back where it belongs. All this, all of this very complicated mysticism, higher level beings stuff, right? Higher level consciousness. They care about things that we don't understand type of thing. They're dead. Yeah. So it makes sense that Abeloth comes out because all that's left now is chaos. Think about the galaxy before the Clone Wars. Pretty quiet peace. Yeah, for not too like bad. Thousands of years. Yep. Probably since Centerpoint was built and the Maw Prison and Abloth was last sealed away in the Dark One's prison, a la the Wheel of Time. I'm obsessed. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the seal, her guards have been dead for 50 years. And it's been war, war. Famine, slaughter, invasion, war, another invasion, war, another war, war. It's been and a mess. Madness, for sure. chaos for 50 plus years since Anakin and Obi Wan killed all the gods of the Force or whatever <laughs> the Celestials are that become the ones. Yeah, so. What they- are Celestials? How could Anakin become a one? None of this gets answered. This this is all pontification questions that we don't get answered. But that that leaves, if the Celestials become the ones, that leaves space for there to be more ones to be had. If the Celestials are still around, maybe they're just like, whoa, all these people are messing shit up. I think that's a really nice, I don't know, really nice lantern to hang on the wall. Be like, 55 years ago, the Chosen One killed the balance. Mm Mm-hmm. And we have had nonstop war since then. That's neat. (laughs) You know, maybe these nine books aren't super interconnected, but we do some things in these chapters that tie backwards and forwards. And it's, it's a lot of good stuff in here. Yeah. Back to the conversation. Luke's tells everybody the story and Saba says, no wonder the galaxy has been at war. There's no old man to balance the force because Anakin refused to do the job. Now, all of this to get us to the conclusion that 
Abeloth wants to rebuild her only family. Yeah. She's only ever belonged one place with the ones. And she intends to use Ben to rebuild that family. And that is what these nine books have been all about. Family. Just like the previous nine books. Mm -hmm. Just like all nine movies that exist. Star Wars is all about family. Discovering who you are, what you love, what you think you need, what you truly need. It's the hero's journey. It's the most, not basic, mm, most maybe relatable sort of storytelling formula. Yeah. And Star Wars always comes back to family. Figuring out where you belong. What does this evil, tentacular, ancient monster want? And she's shown it ever since we've ever heard about her. Sneaking a tentacle into a two-year-old and saying, love me, come home. Yeah. She was calling the ma, the shelter, mm -hmm. telling all those kids, come home. Yep. She's always wanted companionship and love because she was cast out of the only family for doing the forbidden thing and imprisoned. Forever. Over and over again. So here she comes wanting a family. It's all Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And it's been this whole series. What what happens in the first three books? Luke and Ben reconnect after having been severely disconnected almost his entire life. Yeah. From the time he was two years old. From the time he was born and sent to shelter, Luke has kind of barely seen the kid. And then he was an angsty teenager who sided with Jason, fell to the dark side, dad saved you. And then in the beginning of this, we tell the story of that family coming back together. That broken family on their mother's ship. Yeah. And then we talk all series long about Jaina and Jag. <laughs> and the struggles that they have to balance their very different lives and responsibilities. And build the family that they want. Start the family that they want. In their own broken families. Her being the only twin. Because she had to murder her brother. Jag being ostracized from his entire culture and region of space because of her. <laughs> yep. We also talk about it with Alana and Han and Leia. That's another family building itself all the way through this series. That's not their daughter. That's their granddaughter. And they struggle with their family because it's secrets. Yeah. And it's a dangers, dangers to a child, right? Mm -hmm. And we talk about it. With Vistara and the Sith. The first half of that book was a lot about her and her dad and how they work in their families. And she had to kill her dad. She had to kill her her culture. She had to kill her, her grandmaster. She had to abandon all of her family to find Ben. Yeah. And they want to be a family together as Jedi and as boyfriend-girlfriend. And all of this now comes out in the threat of Abeloth. Where her whole theme is gathering a family. And we've seen, you know, this is all one big family. Yeah. But the bits and pieces of them that have been reconstructing together over the course of the series really reflects the whole story of Abeloth. Yeah, and that's something... Now that we talk about it in this 30-page slap you in the face with a hot fish info dump, <laughs> like... You can't miss the theme now. Yeah. Right. And that's fine. And that's something I thought from 
as soon as we really got Abloth and she was gathering all those people to so her, needy. I was like, you, she's just, she's been alone Lonely forever. in the Maw. Yeah. But then you take the obvious and you make it go deeper into her past to make her more interesting. Mm-hmm. It actually ties into the first time she was ever loved and accepted. Yep. Whatever servant she was, right? Where the children wouldn't look at her when she was pouring their drinks. But the lonely father, to take it another notch even back, why did he accept Abeloth into the ones? He was lonely and thus was able to be manipulated. Yeah. That was, as you know, as we go all the way back to talk about the last series, we talk about Jason Solo. That was the crack in the foundation that lets the dark side seep in and corrupt you completely. Yep. He was lonely. Well, so is she. And that's what this whole thing has been about in an obvious way mm-hmm. with her. Come be with me. Come home. I need, uh, I love you. You love me. Barney stuff. Right. Yeah. And she was, and that even the names she chooses for, I want to be the beloved mother yeah. and all that stuff yep. was yep. back to where she was. I was the mom for a while. And I, I need was back. beloved. Yeah. By the father. <laughs> yeah. And that's why she forces all of her subjects. Anyways. It's all nice tying of the theme here. Mm-hmm. Family is always important to Star Wars. It's actually almost the only thing we ever talk about with these main characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, <laughs> you know, we break apart and reconstruct the families with different dangers over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, having done that now over the course of how many books that these characters have appeared in, but 18 that we've read, it's, man, it just becomes heavier and heavier or like more and more impactful the more you build on top of that foundation yeah the t- the taller the tower gets the hard the worse it feels every time we knock a jenga piece out of it mm-hmm. you know just trying to keep it all together yeah and you know having thought back on the entire series just being about the skywalker solo family collecting their scattered broken pieces after the last war to try and come together and have some happiness for the next war. <laughs> like it's, uh, it's maybe a little melodramatic if you, if you say it a certain way, but it's, it's actually, I, I like the cyclical nature of it and yeah, you know, what's more relatable than loving people. Mm-hmm. That's what people are made for. According to kiss anyways. <laughs> so she's going to remake the ones with Ben and Vistara, right? That's obvious. Of course, you need a light side and a dark side. And if you want a family, well, those two kids sure are in love, aren't they? So we're going to reconstruct this family, but we're going to alter the roles. Yeah. The son is going to be the light, not the dark. The daughter is going to be the dark. And maybe we shouldn't call them son and daughter because we're going to make a family out of them. (laughs) (laughs) You know, or it's, you know, it's the classic uh, uh, royalty (laughs) situation. I don't know. But the, all of this uh, explains why, why she's wanted to capture Ben so many times too, right? She's never really tried to kill Ben, has she? No. She lets him snake rodeo through the maw. Mm-hmm. She doesn't try to take him all the way. Well, I mean, she, maybe she did. She uses the... Uh, who was it? The, the Given? Who were those two people in Sinkhole Station? Brother and sister or whatever. She uses them... To isolate Ben and deplete all his resources. She uses them to trap him. Yeah. Meanwhile, he stays trapped because he's saving his dad who's flow walking. 
beyond mind walking, whatever he's doing. Not flow walking. Sorry. Yeah. Mind walking. That's mind walking. Different. But anyways, right? On Sinkhole Station, what does she do with Ben? She traps him. She isolates him. She takes away his resources. She makes him dependent. Yep. Or, or I don't know. Uh, or on the, on the way to being dependent. Yes. That's good. What does she do at Peter? Peter? She, she comes back to life and she captures Ben in a force net. Yeah. She could have killed all of them and while she, they were unconscious. Yeah, she easily could have taken that force net or it was Talon that made the force net or whatever yeah, yeah. and just gone. Pushed it through him. And, there you go. Because well, isn't that what they did? They started to. to oh, right. And then he had all these crisscross lines. Thought, he, she could have just gone. I thought they did that to Gavar Kai. Didn't they do that to someone? They've been killing people in horrible groups. Yeah. All these good guys. Anyways, that was that period. Uh, all that. She, she is trying to capture him. If you look closely, she wants Ben. She wants Luke too in the beginning of the story. But then as we say in this meeting, uh, he killed her too many times and she got offended by that and moved on to a new plan. She's like, just Ben only, right? Because he's so powerful with that sweet, sweet Skywalker blood. And now, after all these attempts over nine books to capture Ben, she's got them both. Yeah, she got him On ship. At the Jedi Temple. On the balcony where you're going to go send a task force to go get her, right? She's got them both right now. It's time to make a family, kids. <laughs> Don't repeat that. The kids are going to touch the forbidden. This is what we're deducing her plan is. Yeah. She's going to make them touch the font of power in the pool of knowledge. She's going to turn them into her. And instead of a family of the ones, it's going to be a family of Abeloths. Yeah. That's that's way worse, right? That's, <laughs> that's worse than her trying to remake the ones and take control of the force and leaving, even still taking Ben and Vistara, but leaving them normal. Yeah. Oh, that was bad enough. This is way worse. Yeah, let's make them immortal chaos bringers. Just like her. Mm-hmm. A whole family of her to rule the galaxy. Three force volcanoes. Yeah, one's bad enough. So what do we do about it, Tim? We can't nuke the Jedi Temple. Alana's inside. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> She's not supposed to be there. What do we do? Well, then the magma starts shooting up out of the ground all over, uh, all around them, Fellowship Plaza and uh, the the galactic... I can't think of it now. The big prison center. Yeah. <laughs> covered in ash, flame, magma, white hot liquid jets of fire coming up out of the ground. Whew. Magnus, magna, <laughs> magma starts exploding all over the place, and we see ship escaping. Yeah, uses one of those like plumes thi- of ash. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, to as cover yeah. to get out and and Jaina feels a tug from that direction. At first, it read like ship had mm-hmm. force tugged her attention to him. No, it's Ben inside. Reaching out to anyone, going, oh, yeah, oh, ah! <laughs> sorry, Douglas, I yelled and scared the shit out of the dog. So what are we gonna do? I don't know. Ship is escaping with Ben to the Maw. Jedi assemble. They're gonna go get him. Another huge U-turn for us to swallow. Yeah. Luke Skywalker just got back to Coruscant, and now he's like, "Let's go." There goes my son. Yum, gotta go. Abeloth is. Magmizing Coruscant, but we're out of here. Yep. After 30 pages of recap, 
we finally land on an action. Yeah, Jana and Luke head for the door. There's been an action. We must make a reaction. And that's the chapter. Holy recap, though, reading it. Yeah, it gave a lot of information and it gave you and me something to remember and like yeah well uh, i mean everybody's reading it right but the thing is you don't read the book like we do unless you're following along with the podcast Mm -hmm. you might have read those chapters yesterday or a week ago not six months ago like we did Mm -hmm. you know i the killick thing just happened and they didn't tell the council anything that we didn't hear Directly in those scenes. Yeah. The stuff from the beginning where we're recapping all, all of the the information we have on Abeloth and what's happened with the Sith and stuff, that's kind of more acceptable. But not, I don't, in any circumstance, this should not be 32 pages when we just skipped a day and a half of escape action. Yeah. No way. Yep. Cut 12 off of this and give me three pages each of four different escapes. Yep. How did Cornhorn get out? And Luke and Jaina, just show it. How did Abeloth, where did she go after she jumped down to the bottom? She just took the elevator right back to the top? <laughs> How did Han and Leia and Alana get out of there with uh, when they were going to find the bearables? How did they get out of that basement? She, uh, right? But no, 32 pages of remember what happened before we slammed on the brakes right at the end of this book? It's the pacing is wrong. Yeah, me. it's very weird. It's a lot, very stutter step kind of dealing. Yeah, like uh, like we're uh, uh, uh. last hurdle before the finish line, and I'm just gonna stop and tie my shoe <laughs> to make sure we're all ready to jump this last hurdle together. Yeah, thirty pages of recap right before, right as. We're building to that climax of we're all meeting Abeloth and having a battle with Abeloth. Mm-hmm. Okay, false finish, and she escapes. She's done that all series. That's fine. Do it one more time. But don't jump me a day and a half unless you give me three pages of saving everybody. Yeah. It just was like everybody was down on the ground, and then they're all in back to tanks, which is a Star Wars thing. Mm-hmm. You know? And it reminds me also of, uh, never going to think of it, Starship Troopers. Yeah. Just, you're dead. He slams the paper on, on Rico's tank while yeah. he's in there. He says, killed in action or whatever. Anyways, it happens in Star Wars, right? We, we cut away from uh, Luke being horribly mauled by a wampa. No, we don't. No. We watch Han rescue him first. And then we cut to him in a back to tank. We see the danger. We see the rescue. Mm -hmm. And then we see the recovery. We don't skip the rescue. Anyways, all I'm saying is if you're going to give me a 30-page recap in the the end of your book, don't slam on the brakes right before it. Yeah. Although then how do you get everybody to the count? Okay, whatever. This is just such a momentum killer. Yeah, just a little bit of context to... Everything, how'd they get there? Well, it's just like, it'll it keeps the, the speed going. If mm-hmm. you show us the rescue, show us getting them out of the temple, show us getting them across Coruscant, which is apparently full of Sith murderers. Yeah. Like there's so many threats that we just kind of hopped right over mm-hmm. to the back to tanks. 
And then we sit and talk about what all the threats are at the end of the book. Yeah. Which just seems very ow. And maybe it's a function of we understand the whole series has been a bit disjointed. Mm -hmm. So before we hit our big finale of nine books, we got to stop and tell you everything that you're supposed to have. Yeah, it could be that. Picked up in bits and pieces, right? Uh, it's it's like a lack of confidence almost. Yeah. We haven't done a good enough job weaving all these threads together for you to pull the whole cord yourself at the end. So we're going to just real quickly just torch the end of it yeah. <laughs> so everything's sticky enough for you to grab yeah, on. Yeah, we're going to tie that knot for you so yep. you can just easily can yank on it. Tug on it right to the end of the book. Yeah. 30-page recap chapter. Mm-hmm. In the middle of the climax. Chapter 30. Jag, Tahiri, Saba, and some old vet named Olazan. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> are flying through volcano world to get to the Jedi Temple. There's plumes of ash and magma everywhere. Jag's a superstar pilot. Someone even says, Jaina brags about how you're such a good pilot, just like her dad. And he's like, is she what? <laughs> and no one's really paying attention. No one's. He's worried... Tahiri's, I don't know, messing around on the console. Ola's on sleeping. Yeah, everybody's pretty chill. They're all quite the veterans of combat. Uh, Jane is gone, though, Jag. You came to Coruscant. You thought you were going to have a little crossover where you are going to get to see her. Vasaba's like, I'm sorry to tell you, she left with Luke. Yeah, an hour before you got here, she took off. So close. But she did leave you a message. A video message. We can't watch it now, though. We only have five minutes, and the video is eight minutes long. So <laughs> <laughs> let's get the get to the temple and get all the solos out of there. Luckily, all the solos have made it to a, some sort of exterior hatch. And Han, Leia, Alana, Four Bearables, Zach Terran, and Hapens are shoosting with the Sith. And the babies. Not the babies yet. They all climb aboard Jag's rescue vessel, and then... 20 bearable babies come slithering on it up into his lap a couple of them and alana like comes charging on the deck don't be scared yeah and it's not like a soothing don't be don't be worried they're lizards yeah if you're scared they will eat you <laughs> <laughs> and jag like kind of mentally remembers i'm the captain of the ship i'm awesome everything's good and they like cock their heads at him and go sleep in his lap yeah there's a few of them cuddling a, a fun little uh, anthropomorphization or characterization of these bearable babies <laughs> just they never stop eating there is no snacks tessar says or something right he yeah last snacks they're always hungry <laughs> that's yeah. my secret some cat. of them have like fingers bits of rat yeah yeah that they've run away with the temple yeah they're yeah. all they've all got some sort of food uh they all stink like death yeah thank god for that uh <laughs> he has to put his mask on or something yeah, jag, jag, jag puts his atmospheric uh, mask on and alana saves him from most of the ones in the cockpit thank god for that alana and the bearable babies are saved just like that yep this has been a vision of hers since the beginning of the book it's been a real thing that she's been worried about. She is a very important character, and we resolved that off screen. We didn't see them get to the babies. We didn't see them. We saw them get to the bearables. Yeah, we did. Okay. Yeah. But everything But everybody after just that. escapes. Yeah. Everybody just gets their way out of there. No problem. Yeah, next time you see them, they're at the they're waiting to be. I think Saba does say a few of the babies were lost, or Tessar says that. Or yeah, it didn't make it or something. Yeah. Yeah. But again, like cut pages off of that recap 
by just more succinctly delivering that information again that we've already had mm-hmm. in this book. You know what we didn't have in this book? Alana saving the bearable babies. We put her in charge and then we cut away. Yeah. And went right to the ending where everybody's okay. And she flies away with Jed. Yeah. No way. No, extra. no way, dude. No way. Her identity, her on the white throne, her being a secret child of Han and Leia, her being Jason and Tenelka's daughter has been such a big deal all series long and last series. Her identity, her life has been in danger and threatened often throughout the series. It was her vision that brought them back to the middle of this war to save babies. Mm -hmm. And we just don't look at that. Yeah. We just let her do that off screen. A young character who we've aged up ridiculously five years in about three. Mm Mm-hmm. To make her more of a character that we can use. You can't... Six-year-olds aren't as interesting as nine-year-olds. It's just a fact of literature. Right? Mm-hmm. It's what you can give them to do and put in their mouth. Yeah. You can do more and say more with a nine-year-old than you can a four-year-old. Yeah. But we've drastically aged her up. We've given her all kinds of leadership and responsibility throughout the series. So that we can use her going forward as an interesting character. And then we don't give her this resolution to her arc. Yeah. We don't give us that resolution to her arc. She gets it. She escapes with the babies and she's like jackpot on the ship with Jag and she's happy. But we don't see her take that last hurdle. Yes. We're busy tying shoes at the Jedi Council. While Han and Leia are like, hey, we saved everybody from grenades last time you saw us. And now we've somehow, whatever, we fought to an exit port. And here we are. Yeah, because... But man... Jag even mentions that there's... Maybe that's just me. Blaster fire. Like, there's a huge firefight going on inside while he's rescuing them. There is still action danger when we go and pick them up. Yeah. But that's all all sorts of stuff. But then it's like, get the ship. (laughs) It's fine. And then they take off and they're good. Yeah. And Well, I mean, assumedly. We don't actually... Today, we don't cut back to them. So... (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) Maybe they fly into a pile of magma. (laughs) And it's real bad. (sighs) And she saves everybody or something. I don't know. But... It just felt so cheap to not give her a solid resolution. Mm-hmm. We just, it, we're told and then we're saved. I don't know. Oh boy. That's me, man. 30 pages of Jedi council talking though. Not cool. <laughs> Anyways, in case you didn't see this coming Tahiri and Saba stay behind at the Jedi temple. Yeah. My, I like this is, uh, Saba's like, okay, hey, you're coming. Let's go. Yeah. And I'm not even a Jedi. Saba's response is, welcome back. Yep. That's welcome it. back to Hiri. I laughed at and, that and, one. And actually, her, her parting words with Jag were cool, too. He's like, you never were cut out to be an Imperial Hand mm-hmm. anyways. And she's like, you were never much of a evil emperor yourself. Or something. Yeah, you weren't cutthroat enough to be the emperor. Yeah. That was fun. I like that. That team up with the, those two was pretty short. Mm-hmm. But it was really, uh, they... It was eventful. It was very eventful and like they had an interesting rapport between the two characters. Like Jag and Tahiri have never really spent time together exclusively. Yeah. It was almost like I, I picture like a brother sister kind of. Uh, That's exactly what it is. Yeah. They are both brother and sister in law. Mm-hmm. It's another family thing. It's them becoming family because they are. Yeah. 
Tahiri is Anakin's wife, you know, whatever, forever wife. And Jag and Jaina are getting married. So the two of them are another little bit of family construction right under our noses. Mm-hmm. You know? That's, I like that. Yeah, I, and I like it all, I didn't, all that. I think we have mentioned it before about Jag and Tahiri. Like, they never spent time together, and they're about to be whatever. Because she's been, you know, re, uh, re-included in the Solo family the whole way along the series. Through her trial, Jaina's there, Leia's there, Han's there. They're always checking in on her, mm-hmm. taking care of her. Because and, they treat her like family, they think of her like And when she escaped prison, she sat in an alcove and waited for her family. Yeah. Is what she says out loud. Yep. And then we team her up with Jag because the family's growing. Mm-hmm. Jag's in the family now. We've decided between Jag and Zek, <laughs> and we landed on Jag. <laughs> Worked out for Zek. He's fine. So Saba and Tahiri stay behind, but Jag has now rescued the rest of his family. Yeah. Jane is gone. Here goes Tahiri, Han, Leia, Alana. I've all been rescued by Jagged Fell. And the Barabels and their whole family now, too. Isn't that interesting? All the babies. And who stays behind from their family? Grandma. Yeah. And not to give myself goosebumps, but that makes me worried for Grandma. Yeah, I was, I'm worried. I was worried right away when she stays behind. I was like, oh, st- Saba. Staying behind for the hunt of a lifetime, Tessar says, though. Mm-hmm. Chapter 31. Tahiri and Saba in the temple. With Saba loving the thought of killing hundreds of Sith. Yep. Good guy. I'm more nervous for her wanting to be a part of this. Good guy. <laughs> yeah. You know what she wants to do? Kill hundreds of bad guys. She's a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> she likes hunting. P.S. All of her family just flew away to safety. There it is in the note. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> And she stays behind for the hunt of a lifetime with the most dangerous thing we've ever seen in the galaxy. And oh no, here comes some Sith down the hallway. Whatever will we do? Saba and Tahiri have the Olazan and a team of space marines with them. Yeah, a dozen of them or something. And so they like pop up some razor wire in the middle of the hallway to cut them in half. Snipers shoot their heads off. They use lasers to cut them off at the knees. And then some guys in power mech armor come in to stomp them to death and finish it off. (laughs) Good guys, Tim. (laughs) They work as a good team, though. Not much of a hunt for Saba yet. No, not yet. But maybe the Barable enjoys a good trap. She says, though, they'll be here for days. Yeah. It's going to take them a while. Days. Because they're on whatever floor that they're on. They've got to get to the computicle. On, like, level 350 or whatever it is. Cool. <laughs> cut to haven't said that very often in this book eh? mm-hmm. cut to haven't said that very much at all in this book no cut to Ben is thirsty Ben is at the font of power and Ben is thirsty Tim it's been days of resisting Abeloth and her family plans it's been days that means Saba and Tahiri have already been in the temple for days. Yeah, for like a week or whatever it is. Why is this time jump okay? Because we're not missing anything. We're skipping days of Ship and Luke and Jaina flying to the Maw. Yeah. We're skipping days of Saba and Tahiri working through minions Mm -hmm. to get to the goal. We're not skipping days of getting to the extraction point. We're not skipping days of... 
Marines come down and rescue the mainest character of Star Wars, Luke Skywalker. Okay? Yeah. We're and, skipping travel time. And that's that's part of where they could have cut out some of the Jedi Council meeting is they could say after however long of council meeting they they could wrap up that way rather than honestly yeah you don't have to sit in the conversation you have Jaina think about the conversation yeah oh we talked about this oh and then Lobaka and Techly said this and then I saw that pyramid right and then like ship goes flying by and you're like you did that in 10 pages instead of 30 Mm -hmm. whatever whatever skip the boring stuff it's been days of travel so we skip it yeah that's that's perfectly fine Ben's thirsty and he's been resisting Abeloth and her family plans. Ben, she insisted, was to become the eternal prince of light. And he would keep burning the twin flames of justice and forgiveness. Bastara was to become the irresistible daughter of the night. She would guard the forbidden mysteries of the force. And she would bring life to the galaxy by filling dreams with images of beauty and desire. Together, the three of them would become the ones and they would live forever and remake the galaxy however it suited them come on kids live forever and shape the galaxy come on yeah and that that line is where you can tell she's a bad guy we can make it whatever we want yeah of course the people the the gods the benevolent leaders don't want to do that like the watcher they just i don't get involved mm -hmm. we just set things in motion and that's what the ones did right the brother and sister didn't ever get involved, nor did the father. Until it was time to lock up Abeloth. Until chaos came. Yep. And it was time to contain the chaos. But that's our plan. It's been days. They're hungry. But Ben and Vistar are back to back, choking on the font's fumes, keeping each other from drinking. And don't worry, Vistara, Ben says, dad's on his way. Your dad's going to come save you? That's your hope? It's, I mean... It's a pretty hopeless situation. Yeah, you and graph you whatever you can. <laughs> I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. Whatever you can. Oh, P.S. The Force is poison here. Yeah. It's fully dark side. Yeah, the font of power is leaking pure and darkness. Like it feels oily, dark, and gross. Ugh, it's horrible to touch it. I don't like the Force here. Yeah, because he used a Force so push at side. some point, and yeah. he's like, ugh. Almost made him throw up or something. Ben thinks they'll probably have to die to save the world. One of us is going to have to... Try to run, and one of us is going to have to kill Abloff. A distraction, and then and then a killer, and we're probably both going to die. Yeah. or But we'll, we'll save the world. Yeah. Vistara thinks they should drink. Yeah. Why not? Why not? You saw how powerful she is. If we both drink this, we will be powerful together, and we can destroy her. Hey. Hey, Sith. <laughs> hey dark side brain right yeah you know what we can do we can use the forbidden power for good man <laughs> we don't have to use it for evil we can we can take over the galaxy and install our brand of justice for good <laughs> it's just such an archetypal good guy bad guy argument right yeah and between the two of them who are in love with each other and trying to convince each other it's funny of course, we can't use that Vistar. It's tainted. Yeah, but what if we use the bad stuff to do good stuff? Taking us all the way back to our brand new Jason Solo tenant, right? Mm-hmm. You cannot do a bad thing for a good reason. 
You cannot. No, bad it's is d- bad. The balance, capital TB, does not work that way. Bad will be bad and good will be good. Anyways, I just thought that was great. If we drink that, we'll be strong enough to beat Avalon. Typical bad guy temptation. Genius. Mm-hmm. And we cut to Luke realizing he was wrong to trust Vistara. Hmm. What else is name, huh? Yeah. But at the same time, did he ever really trust her? Uh, he never. took her as his apprentice, but that was more of like a warden <laughs> prisoner situation. Yeah. Which, you know, to reiterate the way that they were all treating her all the way along. She's been their prisoner. She's never really been a welcome Yeah, guest. no. She's never been a partner. She's been... Uh, she's been the servant, not the mother. Yeah. She's yeah. very much... a their, their familial relationship with her is very similar to what Abeloth did. Mm-hmm. Vistara usurped her way through lies and deceit into the Skywalker heart. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, she never earned her way there properly. She's a murderer. Yeah, and she's got. She's keeping secrets. You know, it's very much an echo of the way Abeloth did things. And now here she is standing there. And uh, we're not there right now. We cut to Luke being like, I, don't, "I shouldn't have trusted her. I can't believe I was wrong. What else could I have been wrong about?" He thinks, and I laugh and I laugh and <laughs> I laugh and laugh and laugh. <laughs> He should listen to our podcast. Oh, let's tune him in. You know what? I'll tweet Mark Hamill. Be like, hey, Luke Skywalker wondered what he was wrong about here. Why don't you let me know? Yeah. Was it the part where uh, all the good guys are just savage murderers? <laughs> just listen to about uh, 180 hours <laughs> of podcast. Whenever you get the chance. <laughs> uh, but what else could he be wrong about? Oh, God, I don't know. He says to Jaina, as they reiterate what's happening for us in the final theme two lovers opposites bound together that's ben and vistara battling for the balance in jaina's dream oh she tells him about his dream oh all the masters had this dream Mm -hmm. must be meaningful destiny stuff tm (laughs) like how nobody nobody said that in 30 pages yeah of the jedi council meeting kiss my ass Okay, we're already talking about in that meeting how it's Ben's destiny and how important this is. Put that there. That belongs there. Yeah. As the. What's one more line? Really? uh, It's the cherry on top. Yeah. Yeah. What's one more line of 32 pages of talking? (laughs) But really, that would be like the say that at the end of that conversation and then ship takes off. And you're like, we, the reader, know those two bound opposites who are going to be battling for the force are locked in that ship. Mm-hmm. Anyways, she reiterates that because we're getting close to the end of the book. So we got to lay heavy all the themes. They're going to battle for the balance. All the masters have seen it. Ben and Vistara must take the daughter and son place and deal with Abeloth. And the Jedi and the Sith must be at war until she breaks out again next time. This is everything Luke's coming to I don't know, realize. Decide is right. He's not usually right. Nah. He's coming to assume these things. Ben and Vistara are going to be this era's iteration of the brother and sister that stop Abeloth. And for Abeloth to stay in prison, the Jedi and Sith are going to have to stay at war for all the intervening years. That's what he thinks, right? Yeah, it's like almost... Like, um, uh, uh, Vistara brings it up in the previous scene, but 
where it's it's must be the will of the force. That's why they're here. That's what everybody keeps saying. It's the hand yeah. of the force at work here. The force yeah. is moving in this. It's all the force. The wheel weaves as the wheel wills. And, well, they're not wrong. It's special Skywalker destiny stuff. Yeah. It's happening again. But Luke thinks after she's locked away, we're going to have to stay at war to until she's locked in. Like, that's the destiny. Is that Jedi and Sith are destined to stay at war for this uh, term of Abelot's incarceration. Yeah. Almost as if he feels like the Jedi and the Sith are the two kids. They are going to take the place of the brother and sister who are going to be the architects that create the prison for Abeloth. Yeah, yeah. they're going to be the embodiment of the light and dark. There will be no father. It will be up to the children to keep the balance, which is kind of a nice uh, familial theme. Mm-hmm. The father dies at some point, and it's up to the children to keep doing what you were taught is right and wrong. Yeah. Or not do the wrong things, I mean. But you know what I mean, right? Like, there is no father in this iteration. The family has grown older. The family now is Jedi and Sith. And we're going to keep this war going for however long we have to. Or we're going to have to. Or whatever. That's what Luke thinks, right? But isn't that kind of the exact antithesis of what Thurut told us? Yeah. Thurut told us she's escaped from prison this time. Because the Jedi and Sith have been at war already for 10,000 years. 5,000, 2,000, whatever. Uh, however. Yeah. Eternity. That's why she escaped this time. Because all of this constant war weakened her prison. All of this chaos, right? Feeds her. Yeah. And then she starts to break the prison. So Luke thinking, like, we're going to have to stay at war with the Jedi and Sith all this time. Is that not just going to lead to her getting out again? Yeah, eventually it is, and then. But he thinks it's destiny, right? Yeah, it's the force. We come together when it's time to, when it's time to end the destruction, and then we go back to being how we were before. Yeah, like the um, brother, which is what the parable is. Yeah, the brother and sister are are always at odds with each other, which keeps the balance. Mm-hmm. And then when chaos comes and throws the balance off, they, they come together. Come together as allies mm-hmm. from book five <laughs> is that was that the title of that book which is again a theme that we've been seeing reiterated all through this series yeah the sith and kashiri had to become allies when the sith got uh abandoned not abandoned marooned yep on cash when the lost tribe got lost the jedi and sith had to team up at sinkhole station the jedi and sith had to team up at the where the dathomir the Jedi and Sith had to team up again uh, with Talon and Lord at Pyrder. They've had to team up over and over again to deal with Abeloth. Yeah. But they've just not been successful in finishing that job. Why? Because the Sith are always betraying the Jedi before the end of the job. Let's capture her instead. Yeah. Let's turn him instead. Always trying to get the upper hand in one way or another. As bad guys do, right? Yeah. And thus blowing it every time. <laughs> But yeah, according to Thurit, their 10,000 year war is already to blame for her escaping. But here we are on whatever name of this ship was that they took. Not the Jade Shadow? No, yeah. I was shocked that they didn't take the Jade Shadow. This the James Bond spy car. Yeah. Yeah, they, they took I like an what, armored vehicle thing. Yeah, yeah, something that's that can take a lot of damage, can fly yeah. fast. But 
they're having this conversation in the ship as they're approaching the entryway to the maw, which is between those two black holes, right? Mm-hmm. That have shifted out of position because sinkhole station and center point station were destroyed. And I love that. Yeah. That's fun. Anyways, they're talking about this up in space and here we see ship. He shows up shooting. So Jaina starts piloting. Luke leaves her to it so he can go strap in in the med bay for a little mind walk. Yeehaw! <laughs> Haven't done this in a while, but here we go. He is using one of his He's skills. He's using a thing that we learned on Jason's magic journey across the galaxy. He's using one of those special powers no one else has. Yeah, he's le- he's learning, or he's using something he learned here. Here. At Sinkhole Station in the mall. From people who were under the influence of Abeloth and mm-hmm. trying to capture him and Ben. Yeah, because it was weeks he was, or something. Yep. He was almost dehydrated to the point of death. Mm-hmm. Anyways. He's been on the edge of death since Because mind walking, by the way, is where you your your spirit leaves your body and you enter the ethereal plane. And your body still stays in the material world, living and breathing, but not getting any nutrients and sustenance, right? Just to reiterate what mind walking is, he's going to, Dr. Strange is about to get his ghost punch out of his body. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's what's happening. (laughs) He's about to go see the multiverse or whatever. (laughs) That's what he decides to do when ship shows up, blasting at them. He's like, all right, I got to go strap myself in now. Yeah. Take care of this. Troy Denning. As I said, he's paying off a bunch of his own foreshadowing stuff. Because mm-hmm. I believe we learned the mind walking in book three. Uh, when we went to Sinkhole Station. Yeah, I that don't was... think it was book four. Because book three is where we introduce Abeloth. Yeah, that was where that or, was uh, where they went two. after he touched that pyramid. Right. Right. That's right. They come right here and then they go to her planet after Sinkhole Station. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, I like the symmetry of all this. He does a good job tying his own things together, which in a different situation, normally all three of these authors are way more, uh, they they more intertwine their story. Yeah. They're way more cohesive normally. Yeah. But he's paying off a lot of his own foreshadowing volcanoes. They've been everywhere. Capturing Ben. That's been everywhere. Mind walking. We did that once, but he's strapping himself in and he's going to the back of the ship. Gotta be dangerous, huh? Chapter. 32, right? Uh, yes. So many pages this week. Chapter 32. Jaina is flying the best ship ever, according to her. She's playing chicken with ship whilst they're blasting the hell out of each other. Yeah, because there's no room to maneuver. You just got to head on. in between a corridor, a corridor in between, sorry, Two black holes. Yeah, if you maneuver one way or the other, you're getting sucked in yep. and you're done. All we can do is fly straight at each other and shoot. <laughs> Action, my babies. And we cut to Luke, flow walking. Wrong. Luke, mind walking. <laughs> I, I knew I wrote flow walking somewhere. Luke, mind walking. In the back of the best ship ever. And he goes to the Lake of Apparitions with its distant silver mist that we've visited before. The lake where all of your loved ones' faces come out of the water and greet you. Yeah. Like Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I don't think we ever talked about that before. No. And but the, I recently watched it with the kids and I was like, oh, that's that's exactly what Star Wars was doing there. Mm-hmm. They were taking some cool 
mythological mysticism type of stuff from something else cool which and is making it their own which is a lot of what this series has been about it's oh, taken sure. more fantasy yeah how can it? we get more wild fantasy stuff in, instead of hard science fiction let's take one of the best fantasy series let's have an ever. eldritch horror let's yeah. have a bunch of capital named magic places <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of stuff going on here that that feeds into that but at the lake of apparitions Faces start to rise to the surface. This is where Floaty Mara told him going into that mist was a death trap. Mm-hmm. All those books ago, which I would have to assume was a Troy Dunning book. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna assume. Okay, uh, he stops at the edge of the lake or whatever along the along the walkway to see Mara again. He wants to ask her for help. Help me kill Abloth. What do you, you? You've been here for a minute. There must be something you know, right? He tells her Ben's been taken and then insert Jason solo mm-hmm. and his snarky little comments. Well, how'd you let that happen? <laughs> yes. uh, 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 Uncle Luke, I thought you were the best, whatever, all kinds of stuff, right? Ah, he's back, man. Yeah. Jason solo comes back again. And I'm like, I miss I'm that guy. So happy. Yeah. I'm so happy, especially you know, I, I love him more as like the loving brother, boyfriend, nephew. Mm-hmm. But I do love the snarky antagonistic relationship that he left Luke Skywalker on. Yeah. And had been building all that way, which was Luke's fault. You're the grown up. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> You're like 40, 50 years older. Get and after what it. happened in the last war, you take absolutely zero care of this guy. Okay, moving on. But... Jason shows up. Mara's here. And it's like, oh, man, more reconstruction of the family. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you think about it in a kind of dark way, Jason and Mara are always together in some capacity in this lake of apparitions. Mm-hmm. Aunt and nephew. Murderer and victim. Yeah. In the together soup forever. In the soup of friendly faces. <laughs> <laughs> but Jason shows up and Luke makes sure to tell him, this is all your fault. <laughs> Good job, grown up. Yeah. You changed the flow of time, man. You changed what you saw in the pool of knowledge. And the Killicks say, whenever the flow of time is changed, that's when chaos comes. So this is your fault. The end of the world. The apocalypse, Jason Solo, is on your shoulders. Because I, Luke Skywalker... Even in your death, refuse to take any responsibility for anything that you did wrong on your path of darkness that I totally ignored and shut some of the lights off on. Yeah. It's your fault, Jason, just so you know. And then a dark hooded figure appears on the shore of the lake. And I get really interested in this Mm -hmm. in this book all over again. All these little bits here where he's like tying back to earlier in these books, earlier in the series, earlier in this book. This guy shows up on the edge of the lake and Luke says, the man I kept seeing in my dreams. Dreams? What dreams, Tim? Yeah. Do you remember, Tim? What dreams? From from a, from a bit ago. From about 18 books ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh the, one of the very first lines of the very first book, I think. In fact, allow me to go three years back in time 
in real life mm-hmm. to our first episode, second episode, first episode of reading books, where I definitely am pretty sure I think I opened with this line because it's the opening line of Legacy of the Force Betrayal. He doesn't exist. With those words spoken, without any conscious thought or effort on his part, Luke Skywalker sat upright in bed and looked around at the dimly illuminated chamber. And then our very first tag of the podcast ever, which is, I call them tags. It's when I read directly from the book. Yep. The tag says, dream. (laughs) Yes, it does. And it follows as such. He's all wrapped up in shadows, a dark hooded cloak, but more than that, shadows of light and he trails off. 18 books ago, this dark hooded figure yeah. that Luke Skywalker had a dream about on a throne of darkness with dark armor, a dark hood. We assumed by the end of the last series that that was Jason. Yep. And then we go to the pool of knowledge and we see the throne is no longer dark. The throne is light and Alana sits on it now. Mm-hmm. So we know that Jason accomplished his goal of changing the dark vision. We assumed Luke's dreams were about Jason solo. Cause we haven't talked about him. There haven't been other Sith. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Let's go back nine books ago. There was Lumaya, who was not even a real Sith. Mm -hmm. She was a dark lady of the Sith. And there was Jason Solo, who became a a full-on Sith, took the mantle, took over the galaxy. Two, right? Two. And then, like, before that, there was two. So, it's just two. Mm -hmm. It's two. Had a dream about a dark guy. Who could it be? One of two. Lumaya's not a guy. Yeah. So who was that dream about? Of course we assume it's Jason Solo. 18 books later. That's a, that's a long a game. A man sure. shows up on the shore of a lake of dreams. In your mind walking craziness. And I am shooketh, my lord. <laughs> who is this dark figure from Luke's dreams? The dark man on the throne in Jason's vision. Is this series about to totally redeem itself? It's already actually been awesome. We've been yeah. a little overcritical. It's been really good. Just some disconnections. Whew. The man Luke sees standing on the shore looks pretty heckin' badass, if I do say so myself. The cloaking shadows had coalesced into a suit of dark, spiked armor. The newcomer's right arm seemed a mere ghost, as though he had only a holographic projection where there should have been a limb. And his left eye had become an empty white circle that looked more like a window into another universe than an actual organ. His face was weathered and chiseled, though, with a web of tattoos radiating outward from an angry gaze and deeply etched scowl. He could not be considered handsome. <laughs> no. Maybe, maybe if he smiled more and had less of a... Who is this, Tim? My first thought is one of the the one Sith from that were hiding on what what planet was that? Corban. Was it Corban? Yeah. yeah. All right. So 
Yeah, that would be the first thought, right? Is okay. He's a bad guy. He's got to be a Sith. Mm-hmm. Based on how he's dressed and how he looks, and just the overall description. Yeah, he's the dude from Luke's dreams. So he has existed all along. Mm-hmm. And what other Sith do we know of? Yep, the one Sith. The one Sith. And nobody else knows about them. Alemarar knew. Didn't tell anybody. No. She died with that information as far as I remember. And they which all, is probably not far. They all went there and they're like, no, nah, there's no one here. They showed themselves to them. Yeah. Because the Lost Tribe was there laying a trap. So the one Sith never showed themselves. The dogs came. Mm-hmm. And Vistara sent them off with a message of, if there's other Sith here, tell them to hide. This all very connecting loose dots type of thing, but it's got to be someone from the one Sith. Yeah, and that that was that was my first thought, and it's really cool. This whole this whole section, just the from saying that's the guy from my dream to the one Sith that have come up twice, three times maybe. Yeah, in two full series, and it's. They're in a good place to be. Yeah. I like it. Do you want me to tell you who this guy is? Because I knew it as soon as I read Spiked Armor and I got up and walked across the house to grab this book that I knew he was in. Okay. This is a tie forward. Okay. Have you ever heard of the Legacy Comics? I have and not. And somebody named Darth Crate? I've heard that name. Well, allow me to flip... To the back of my Legacy Book One Omnibus and show you a man from the Sith Empire. Yeah. Darth Crate. Have you ever seen this picture before? I have come not. across pictures of the comics. This is a tie forward. Okay. This Sith is from 40 years in the future. Oh. And he exists in the comic story where the Sith Empire has taken over the galaxy. There's more than two Sith. There's an Imperial Empire still uh, run by a Fel, who is an ancestor of Jagged Fel. And there is a disbanded, like, in hiding group of Force users, Jedi or whatever. Mm -hmm. Cade Skywalker, who gets guidance. From his great-great-grandfather, Ghost Luke. But the man from Luke's dreams... Whoa. And the man who shows up on the shore is a man who doesn't come to prominence until the future. But he does exist now. Darth, I'm going to read from the back of this Legends book just this little bit of a... What do you call that? Biography. Okay. Darth Crate, ancient and deadly, Darth Crate spent nearly a century secretly building a new Sith order on Korriban. The rule of two is gone, banished by the new Sith leader. Now there is only the one, the Sith order itself. Known only to a few is the fact that Crate was once known as Asherad Het. A Jedi who had survived the Clone Wars and who had become embittered about the fate of the galaxy. Het discovered and learned from 
an ancient Sith holocron on the planet Korriban, was captured, tortured, and transformed by the Yuzhan Vong, and finally emerged as Darth Krayt. A combination of stasis chambers and Sith meditation has allowed him to artificially extend his life, but even Krayt cannot live forever. He's a fallen Jedi from the Clone Wars. Asherad Het. He's over a hundred years old. And he is the man in this spiky armor. Yep. Tortured by the Yuzhan Vong. Does that not look like Von Dunn cra- crab armor? It like does. Like a Darth Bane thing? That's what I always thought. Maybe it is. I don't know. Luke says something about can't tell if his eyes are blue or gold. Yeah. And, and one of them's missing or whatever. It's yeah, always changing. The white or, yeah. The spiky armor. The tattoos on his face. You can see a little bit underneath. That's, that's Darth great that's really cool that's really cool man and the only reason i spoil it yeah is because it all exists in comics i don't know what happens to him and his story Mm -hmm. but we're never gonna get books that carry this storyline forward so i'm gonna tell you the man on the shore is a man is a sith who takes over the galaxy in the future and here he is now Hmm. Telling Luke Skywalker that we need to team up to destroy Abeloth? Yeah. He's here from the one Sith. So just like Luke predicted, the Jedi and the Sith are going to have to team up to take out Abeloth, right? And from what you just just read, it's not in this book, um, most powerful Sith, most powerful Jedi are going to do it. Yeah. They're, they're going to go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool, right? That's so good. Yeah. I wasn't sure if I should tell you who this guy was or not, because I mean, we're never going to... I mean, we can. It's comic books. We could probably read this in this whole 500-page thing in like three hours. <laughs> For real. But I thought that was really, really interesting to tie forward, because mm-hmm. these all existed then. These comic books, I, I, don't, I didn't look up when they started printing and stuff, but I'm sure I could quickly flip through the front... They, I know that these existed in parallel with the books, you know? So so that's how they did it, was like, we're, to, to not interfere with the book storylines, we're going to f- jump 40 years in the future. Yeah. And we're going to talk about ancestors, and 2013 was when this omnibus came out. Six, seven, and eight was uh, is when I think they were originally published. So they existed before these books. Darth Krayt has existed the whole time that these books have happened. And so when we went to Korriban with Alemarar the first time, I would love to go back and look at that scene and see what color that guy's eyes are. Yeah. I bet just your have, ass that was Darth Krayt. Have an, have an illustrated yeah. scene of it. Yeah. As soon as he showed up with spiky armor, I was like, I got to go check if this is who I think it is. And then I opened up the book. I, I don't, I'm not familiar with Darth Krayt really, right? I looked at the picture. I'm like, yeah, he's got spiky armor. But then he has a gold and a blue eye. And I was like, oh my God, it's Darth Krayt. The one who has rebuilt the Sith Order and abandoned the rule of two and taken over the galaxy in the future. Because as Luke has deduced and predicted, Mm -hmm. the Jedi and the Sith are going to have to team up to beat Abeloth. 
and then stay in a contentious war that keeps the balance forever. Yeah. And here comes this guy from Korriban, and he's not going to be important till the future. <laughs> cool, man. It's so cool. That's a cool like tie forward and cool to make the books and comics tied together also. And I'm glad you have that. Yeah. Could, like it's it makes this scene. I thought, okay, badass Sith from the Who's one. Who's it going to be? And we're never going to find. Him. Yeah, I'm so glad we have that tie-in yeah. because you have that book. And if you ever want to know what happens with this guy on the lake, I have Legacy Book One Omnibus in hardcover. I think there's like four of them. <laughs> there's a lot of comics. A lot happens with Cade Skywalker and friends. Yeah, and it, maybe we'll get to it. Maybe we'll end up with the comics at some point, but we got another twenty five years, years of novels worth of books to go. Man. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk when we're eighty. But that's who it is. That's who it is joining Luke in the Lake of Apparitions to team up against Abeloth. And she shows up, slinging lightning, and we cut to Saba and Tahiri, two of five survivors of their fifteen man team. Yeah, and one of the survivors is missing a leg. Yeah. Ola's on. No, no, no he's the, fine. the bomber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, demolitions yeah. expert. Right. Must have blown his leg up. Yeah, maybe. They're they're alive still. Cut two. Ben and Vistara. She wants the font. He wants to avoid the evil. Duh. She heads for the font. Vistara breaks away from Ben. She's going for the font. And Abeloth appears as soon as they're not right next to each other. And she is all over Ben, tentacles up the face, in the mouth, trying to Pump them full of the dark, whatever, liquid essence. Yeah. As soon as the two of them split up a little bit. As soon as Vistara maybe shows a little bit of weakness, right? Mm-hmm. Boom. She's on him. But Vistara saves him with a big, nasty lightning blast of her own. The thickness of someone's leg. A lightning blast so big it could have taken down a ship, Ben thinks. Mm-hmm. Did she drink? Or just, or is she just drawing on the power from the font? Because it's pure it's evil, very pure evil. Yeah, but she ran away to go drink, and then Ben got tentacles in the face, mm-hmm. and then she came back and did that. Did she drink? Cut two. Luke's fight with Abeloth at the lake. So, to set the scene here, Ben and Vistara are fighting Abeloth at the font of power. She's there. She's also at the Lake of Apparitions fighting Luke Skywalker and Darth Crate. We also know she's in the computer core. Yeah. She's three different places in three different uh, modalities. Mm-hmm. She's in the flesh with Ben and Vistara. She's a ghost with Luke and Crate. Data. And she's a machine. Yeah. Interesting. And I don't know what that has to do with anything. It's just cool. It's kind of neat. Could be a thing. <laughs> Anyways, we're here with Luke at the lake. She's a ghost. He's a ghost. Can't tell if Darth Crate's here as a ghost. I would think so. Seems like it. They're having a metaphysical force battle in well, Beyond Shadows. They're having Shadows. a karate ghost fight. Yeah. They're like, wrap her up, choke her out, karate chop to the head, whatever. But there's no physical contact. Yeah, like they can discern that. Chopping each other's ghosts and throwing <laughs> force powers at each other. The Sith. Uh, I just wrote the Sith a lot. Darth Crate mm-hmm. is helping. That's what I got. The Sith. Cause <laughs> I <didn't know. laughs> and he's growing stronger as she gets weaker. They all three end up 
spirit wrestling on the ground and spilling their four senses essences mm-hmm. across the lake. Senses. I know, and senses. <laughs> What's happening? These ghosts are wrestling each other. They're fighting each other. They're scoring hits, and that's making their force spirit come out of their ghost capsule. Yeah, it's weakening their force powers. But their what's force... coming out of them? The force itself? Them in the force? Like, is it their life essence? Is it their ability to use the force? We're not going to know. What happens when you spill this stuff on a magic lake of dead people? Oh, some good stuff from Luke, some dark stuff from crate, some chaos stuff from <laughs> Abeloth. It's getting spilled all over the lake. They're wrestling all over it. Yeah. Just some, huh? what happens when you do that? Don't know. Cut to hmm. Saba and team fighting Sith ghouls. Yeah. That's new. That is so crazy. It's like weird corporeal and it's such Souls. a, it's honestly, it's a thing that needs too much explaining to shove it here in the, in the end of the book for something that's never happened. Mm-hmm. The Sith are dead, but they're not dying. Their spirits are coming out as shadows from their bodies unless you close their eyes before you incinerate them. Yeah. And this is all being done by Abeloth, who is, I guess now the most powerful she's ever been after exploding parts of Coruscant. Yeah. She's never, probably never been this powerful. Three million people have died. How many other billions of people are in pain, agony, fear that she's feeding off of, right? Yeah, constantly. So, inexplicably, now she can just raise the dead as shadows to fight the good guys. Yeah, because Saba says at one point, uh, I don't know if it was in this chapter or not, she can feel the flow going past them yeah towards well, like, the computer like cord. if she walks through them it's like a cold pain through her leg if a, a hand passes through her or whatever just a new brand new thing Abeloth can do right at the begin- uh, beginning <laughs> right at the end of the book brand new thing we can do because she's never had this much power I'll allow it right? mm-hmm. cut two really jinxed myself earlier huh <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> lots of cut twos here lots of cuts perfect place for it though yeah it's action it's we're, it feels like, okay, we have three people fighting Abloth at the same time. We're building to the end of the book. We're building in to the end of this battle. Who's going to win? Who's going to lose? Who's going to survive? We need to see what everyone's doing. Yeah. <laughs> and we need to see it all in tandem. Yeah. In conjunction with each other. Not yeah. You know, do chapter. a whole thing and then <laughs> do a whole fight and then do a whole fight. But lots of cut to's. Here we are now with Abloth telling the kids. All right. Had enough of your shit, kids. <laughs> yeah. Drink I'm, together or die together. Yeah, I'm done being patient. Do it or die. So Ben powers up with love, as we've seen him do before, <laughs> right? God, I just love everybody so much. I'm going to use all this Care Bear power. And he blasts Abloth <laughs> with all the force, all the good light side force he can muster in this evil place. And oh, direct hit. Her shoulders move a few centimeters. <laughs> yep. Talk about despair in that moment. Yeah. He, like, Anakin charges himself up with light. He blasts her with this energy, and he feels, like, drained. Like, completely diminished after he does it. Mm-hmm. And she goes, and creaks back a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And keeps coming forward. She's super strong here. Yeah. I think especially here by the font of power. Yeah, because she can constantly draw on Which it. Which then also explains how... Maybe 
whatever. She's getting a lot of power on Coruscant from all the pain and suffering. Let's say that, right? Mm-hmm. She's getting a lot of power here for, uh, at the Font of Power from the Font of Power. Well, I wonder what she's drawing power from in the mists of forgetfulness at the Lake of Apparitions. Is she drawing on the suffering of all the dead or something? Or, or yeah. Because those... she's strong there too, but, you know. Yeah. And then it begs the question... Does being powerful in one place transfer your power to the other body? I would assume not. Or, Otherwise, wouldn't you just have one copy at the font of power at all times? Yeah. Or just be like, look at this. And then you just shoot it out of Coruscant from here, whatever. Or does it like you take all the power and spread it between as many copies well, I mean, of like, you are? Yeah. yeah. Or is it just individual cups in individual places? Because mm. otherwise, why would you need to? I mean... It all, maybe it does all add up and that's why you do add it all add up, but no, that doesn't matter. Point is she's super powerful. You can't even hurt her with the force here. Light side. Oh, moved her shoulders. So he smashes her in the back of the head with a pillar (laughs) (laughs) and her eye pops out, makes her real mad. Yeah. She's like, she's got an eyeball popped out. She had a pillar dropped on her. She's still coming. Yeah. 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 She, he, he like throws this pillar at the back of her head, which is funny because it's again, it's such a thing. I, I guess I'm taking from the wheel of time in this specific example, but it's such a funny way that mundane people beat magic or like how wizards beat wizards sometimes where like I've, I have this magic protection around me that you can't hit me with magic. I'm wearing a special medallion. You can't do magic on me. So I'm going to do magic on that rock and smash it into your fucking head. <laughs> <laughs> suck it yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean like it's something that happens in the wheel of time sometimes and it's happening here it's just it's brilliant it's like well if I can't beat her with the force I'll smash her with a pillar mm-hmm. yeah well she's mad now so she KOs him in one hit <laughs> blasts him all the way across the courtyard hits a pillar with him <laughs> and <laughs> Abeloth and Vistara run off into the font of fog yeah, heading he towards the font of power. Unconscious against the pillar, right? Cut two. Ghost of Mania. Where Abeloth disappears almost. But Mystery Sith pulls her back. She's trying to escape into the mist of forgetfulness. His severed hand is stuck inside her body. <laughs> and so he uses the force. He can't affect her with the force very well. Seems to be a parallel to the Ben of Vistara thing because... Instead of grabbing her with the force, he grabs his severed hand that's stuck in her body and Darth Crate pulls her back into the fight. That's Yeah, because he's that's like That's pretty cool. Cause he's like holding on to I pictured him holding on to like her spine or something. Yeah, because like, they can spine. reach inside each other. Right? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's how he's draining her power. That's how it's he's using the Abeloth technique. Yeah. He pulls her back with his severed hand stuck in her chest and this fight's getting really gnarly, and so is the whole end of this book. Man. It's all going crazy. The thing with Saba and the and the and the, the guys all cutting all those people up. Oh, raise the ways of rate. Oh my god. <laughs> Ways it. Ways the ways of wire. <laughs> Set off the laser beams. The laser beams. <laughs> but seriously, like we're getting really graphic and brutal here, and it's uh pretty pretty cool, bro. Yeah. Avaloth being drawn back into the fight just tentacles them both up. But Luke ghost elbows through her ghost head and she rips a chunk of their essences out with her still attached tentacles as she falls away dead 
Luke smashes a ghost elbow under her ghost head, and ghost things come out of her. And as she falls over and pulls chunks off of their ghost spirits Mm -hmm. while she falls over, maybe dead. One last smack before she disappears from here. It's like she's going to die, but she's going to literally take a pound of flesh. Yeah. Type of thing, right? They're super hurt. She she may be dead. Mm -hmm. I don't know how Avaloth works. Cut two. Jaina knows a death scream when she hears one. Yeah. And she just did from the med bay where Luke Skywalker is strapped down. A death scream, Tim. Cut to Team Saba at the computer core. They blow their way in. They ready the EMP, which is their plan, right? Like, yeah. uh, like Ocean's Eleven. Mm-hmm. We'll get in the basement. We'll set off this. It'll shut off all the electricity. They'll never see us coming. Or she's a computer so it'll also shut her off we're not sure what's gonna happen here yeah they, but they get the emp ready and abloth comes floating out of the computer all ghost and then also physical tentacles yeah as she comes more into she's got physicality TV. but also she is the computer yeah all, i don't know all the tentacles are coming for saba so she just simply chops them all off with yeah. her lightsaber she lets them grab her and she's yeah she goes rip all those off and then she sees Abeloth's mouth of many, many teeth opening, and she does a very cool lizard trick. Tim? Yeah, she takes both her fists yep. and shoves them into her head. Oh, wait, wait. More oh. more specifically, it's written, mm-hmm. punches her teeth out. <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> and then shoves her fists <laughs> in the back of her throat. And lets her talons like, out. Like, you're going you're gonna to bite me? You're going to choke to death on this. Yeah. Kind of. You know, a mirror of what Abloff just did. She still chomps down, even with no teeth, because yep. it doesn't tear into her. She chomps down with enough it power. Gonna, it breaks her arms. Break, it's going to break her forearms. Or maybe it did. Yeah. It does. And so she's got her claws in the throat. So she does a little Nosferatu turn and bites her head <laughs> off, Tim. Yeah, it takes a couple of chomps and then lets her head just roll Saba away. Sabatine bites Abeloth's head off at the neck. And lets it roll over to Tahiri. Yeah. And then she says... What? (laughs) She says... (laughs) Now we've both done it. Now we've both killed an Avalon. Yeah. But excuse me, I did not see this coming. No. I was like, bye-bye, Grandma. Tahiri's going to save the day off your sacrifice. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. No. No. She faces this eldritch horror and says, wrap me up. And cuts all the tentacles off. And she sees the mouth of teeth and she goes, you're going to bite this? I'm going to punch your teeth out so you can only gum my broken arms to brokenness. And then I'm going to take three or so bites to rip your head off your body, ancient one. Yeah. That has always been so good. Oh my God. What a visceral execution so what a just and very lizard very true to character yes <laughs> the greatest hunt of her life yeah very hunter very violent and, and... if we flash back to her battle with kent hamner mm-hmm. this is all of the ferocity that she was suppressing in that battle with kent hamner yeah keep your claws tucked in <laughs> no biting <laughs> He still died. Yeah. And then here she comes. She's been kind of present through the whole series, right? Mm -hmm. 
She kills an Abeloth. Imagine what she if she, she would have her head off, dude. Imagine what she could have done if she went full bearable on Kent Hamner. Oh, it would have been a, it would have been, been massacre. Disgusting. It would have been horrible. Worse than this for sure. Oh my god, she does it. By the way, there's five of them. Does anyone else get described in that action? She does it by herself while everyone else watches. Yeah, they're preparing. They're EMPs. all in shock <laughs> yeah. and and awe. Yeah, and that was I. Two Abeloths down so far in this final fight. Maybe uh, that one seems more concrete. <laughs> <laughs> when heads roll, I'm not sure a... about ghost head through ghost elbow action, but. Real mouth through real neck, I feel, is dead. <laughs> Woo! Cut to. Ben wakes up. Head pouring blood down the back of his neck. To Vistara's cries for help. Into the fog! Where Vistara and Alab- Alabaloth? <laughs> it's a long episode. This is a long abopathome. Vistara and Abeloth are a tangle of tentacles and force lightning. But Ben... Spots the shikar on his girlfriend's belt. Another thread that has been repeated mm-hmm. over and over again. And I like that. That's a nice payoff. Very special We've glass dagger. We've seen them fly several times and they serve a very particular purpose. So he shoots that glass dagger up Abeloth's spine and into her heart. Yep. And then snaps the end off the hilt, right? Mm-hmm. And Abeloth is down, suffering. And so, let's bring that pillar back. <laughs> yeah, he ends the suffering. <laughs> he, he smashes her chest with the pillar a few times. He's The only sounds were bones breaking and air leaving her lungs or something like that, yeah. right? He smashes her to death with a pillar. Turns her more Sith. Uh, more evil people yeah. into people goo. He tried to beat her with the good side of the force. Mm-hmm. Ineffective. So he uses a dark sider's weapon and nature to defeat her. Mm-hmm. If we're thinking of, if there's three factors to this uh, balance of the force, right? Light, dark, and then chaos. Yeah. <laughs> That's the chaos. That's the dark. The light is not effective here. Nope. But that's three Abeloths down. Two for sure. One probably. And we cut to Jaina with Luke dying in the back of the ship. She thinks to herself, I have to land on Abeloth's planet to have a chance to save him. But she's still facing down ship in the black hole hallway. Yeah. Until... We get confirmation that Abeloth is dead. Ship runs away. Yeah, he takes off. I'm taking this as confirmation that she's dead. But we have seen it before where he was just going to rescue some pile of goo. Yeah, or at least she's weakened to the point that she no longer has control. She's either dead if if a... If an immortal thing can be dead or she's reduced to her least amount of power and is imprisonable or at least cannot hold that 
power over ship anymore because mm-hmm. he has been a reluctant yeah slave yeah he say. he says it at one point many that, times yeah if i could if i could let you take control of me i would if i could get away from her i would she scares the shit out of me mm-hmm. ship runs away and the only way to save luke skywalker is to land on her planet abeloth's planet and do what be- I don't know. Yeah. I don't. She doesn't say why. But that's where she has to go. And that's what she has to do. So is ship finally free? Is Abeloth defeated? Luke killed her ghost. Saba killed her machine. Ben killed her body. And what has it cost us? Seems like our heroes have destroyed Abeloth. But mm-hmm. what about that... Sith man. What about Darth Crate? What about the lost tribe still on Coruscant? What about Luke? What about Luke? What about Vistara at the font? There's a lot of things. Ben, Vistara, Jaina, Jag, Han, Leia, Alana are all seemingly safe. But Luke? Jaina knows a death scream. Mm-hmm. Will Luke Skywalker survive? Find out next week when we cover chapters 33 through 36 to finish book nine of Fate of the Jedi Apocalypse. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. Death Scream! Death Scream! Death Scream was a man. I mean, then I was a dragon and a death scream! Death scream! Not like that, Douglas? Alright. He's looking at you. For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.